Well, good morning again. This morning, um, we're continuing in our um, study through the book of James. If you're visiting with us this morning, the title of this sermon series is A Faith That Works. And over the past few weeks, we have looked at how faith demonstrates sacrificial care, how faith is proven by our works, and how faith is proven by our words is what we looked at last week. If you remember last week, we talked about how how we have dynamite in our mouth, don't we? We have to be careful um, when we speak words because they have a tendency to either tear people down or build people up. Out of this mouth, we worship the Lord, and also out of this mouth, we curse. And so we got to be careful with what we say and how we live. Now, this morning, we're going to look at the believer and wisdom. And our message point is true Christians live wisely. True Christians live wisely. Um, as I was preparing for this message, I was looking for some funny words of wisdom as dispensed by both kids and adults, and I've came across a few. The first one is this. Anyone who sleeps like a baby doesn't have one. <laughs> At my age, I've seen it all, heard it all, and done it all. Now, I just can't remember at all. He who laughs last thinks the slowest. Some minds are like concrete, thoroughly mixed up and permanently set. Patrick, age 10, said, never trust a dog to watch your food. Michael said, when your dad is mad and asks you, do I look stupid, don't answer him. Another kid said, Never tell your mom her diet's not working. Joel, 10 years old, said, Don't pick on your sister when she is holding a baseball bat. And my favorite is Eileen, age 8, said, Never try to baptize your cat. I bet you, you if you did, you would only do it once. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 3. We're going to be looking this morning at verses 13 through 18 together. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, and we'll read through 18 together. And these are the words of the Lord. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you again this morning and just asking that you will just speak to us, Father, as we continue to read from your word and study your word this morning. We ask, Father, that you will allow your word to speak to us and penetrate into our hearts and into our minds. And Father, we want your word to get all through us so that it can come out of us as we interact with those that we do life with. Father, just be with us now as we um, spend time just studying the words of James studying your words. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So as we dive into our passage this morning, know that wisdom to the Jews was very much a prized treasure to them. So the first point we see is wisdom demonstrated. And and we read in verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And and James begins by asking this question, who is wise among you? It's almost like he's saying, all the wise people, raise your hand and be accounted for. You know, how many of you, if I said, if you are wise in this room this morning, I want you to raise your hand. How many of you would be willing to raise your hand? Joel, half, halfway there? Yeah. Joel acts like he was scratching, but he was really kind of sticking that hand up in the air. You know, we all want to be wise, don't we? But most of us, whenever somebody says all the wise people stand up, most of us are going to remain seated because we realize that there are many, many people around us probably smarter than we are, and so we're just going to keep our seat, and we're going to just allow the other person to measure their wisdom. Well, you know, I remember growing up that... Um, You know, one of my parents' go-to games was Trivial Pursuit. Do y'all remember that game? Um, How many of you have played that before? You know, I know it's been around for many years. And I remember as a kid, I would sit down beside them as they played that game. And I would always be absolutely amazed at everything that they knew. All that they knew about history and geography and sports and entertainment, all of these different things. And the one thing that I, as I was preparing for this message, thinking back on that game, you know, the one thing you really can't do when you play Trivia Pursuit, you can't fake it, can you? You either know it or you don't know it. And the same goes with wisdom. You either have it or you don't have it. And as we dive into our message this morning, here's what we, I pray all of us realize. We can grow in the area of wisdom, Okay. We can get stronger in our relationship with the Lord. And as we grow in our relationship with Him, we do become wiser. So understand that as we dive into our message this morning. So so we see here that um, James says, By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Solomon, the son of David, third king of Israel. We know him to be the smartest man to ever live. He became king. God appointed him to be the next king, but he became king somewhere around the age of 20, between 20 and 30, uh, most likely on the early side of that. But, but what we know about, about him is when he became king, he was pretty anxious. He was pretty nervous. He was pretty overwhelmed. In fact, we read in 1 Kings 3, verse 7, these words. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I don't know how to go out or come in. You know, Solomon had no idea how to lead God's people. He had no idea how to lead God's army. He was in, as you would say, over his head. He was overwhelmed by the responsibility. But Solomon, in the early days of his life, he was a humble man. And the Lord comes to Solomon and, 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 and basically says, Solomon, ask of me for anything. Anything under the sun, ask of me. And we see in Second Chronicles, beginning in um, verse 8 of chapter 1, these words. O oh Lord God, let your word to David my father be now fulfilled. For you have made me king 
over people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. For who can govern this people of yours which is so great? God answered Solomon, because this was in your heart and you have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or the life of those who hate you and have not even asked for a long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may govern my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. I will also give you riches, possessions, and honor, such as none of the kings had who were before you and none after you shall have like you. Solomon, once again, could have asked for anything, but he didn't. He asked for wisdom. He asked for the one thing that could only really be given to him by God. And God granted Solomon wisdom and knowledge and discernment, wealth. I mean, Solomon had it all. And I want you to know this morning, we looked at this a few weeks ago, about a thousand years after Solomon prayed to the Lord for wisdom, and the Lord granted him wisdom, James shares with us in James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. The same God that gave Solomon wisdom is the same God that will depart wisdom to any and all of us in this room if we only ask of it. It's conditional. We have to ask God for it, and God makes it clear that he will grant us wisdom. You know, if there is ever a time that we need to be seeking the wisdom of the Lord, it is today. You know, I've never before witnessed a week like we have just experienced. Um, the start market was all over the place. Oil prices plummeted. Schools have shut down. Universities have, some have shut their doors for the rest of the year. Government buildings have shut down. Courts are delaying trials. Every major sporting league has either suspended play or canceled play. Disney has even shut down. And that just doesn't happen. The cruise industry has shut down. Flights to and from Europe and Asia have, have pretty much um, shut down completely. Our world is in a state of chaos, and to just to prove that, okay, I've gone to the grocery store a few, few times now, um, and I've looked at the shelves, and there is no toilet paper, okay? Who takes all of the toilet paper is all I want to know. I mean, it's almost like going to look for toilet paper is about like looking for a, a, one of those Christmas gifts that everybody has to have. You remember Tickle Me Elmo? Remember what it was like trying to find Tickle Me Elmo? Luckily, our kids were not in that phase where they wanted Tickle Me Elmo, but I know that many of your kids probably were, and you went to every store trying to find a Tickle Me Elmo. Well, that is what it's like today trying to find toilet paper. It's like trying to find who takes it all. I don't get it. I don't understand it, but that just proves to us how, how much chaos there is in our world today. You know, I don't know about you, but I am concerned I'm not concerned because of myself or even for you. I am concerned for the billions of people around the world that really believe that this could be the end of the world. I am concerned because people are panicking. I am concerned because people really believe that one of life's greatest certainties is about to hit them, death. This is a world that we're living in. So, what do we need to do? 
what do we, how do we need to respond? You know, yes, our economy has experienced a hit. And it's probably not going to get any better in the near future. It may get worse, but eventually we know it's going to get better. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you one area that I am concerned with is my friend um, Clark is a hospice care worker. And we were talking this past week, and, and he was sharing with me that he is unable to see his patients right now because they're afraid that they're going to get sick. And I understand that. And, I, and I'm concerned for those patients, but I'm also thinking if there's ever a time that those men and women that are on their deathbed need someone to come to them and share with them the good news of salvation, it's today, isn't it? And so we've got many, many people that, that are in hospitals, not because of the COVID-19 or the coronavirus, but they're in the hospital because of other sicknesses. And they have no one that's able to come by their side and to share with them the good news of salvation. So I'm concerned for guys like Clark who can't minister to the people that need ministering the most, most right now. You know, I'm, I'm concerned for the church. You know, um, if, if there's any ever a time that the church needs to be coming together and rallying together, it's a time like today. And so we need to be the church, and we need to reach those outside the doors of, of this building. So how, how do we respond as the church? We need to pray. We need to pray to the Lord for wisdom. We need to pray for his church. And we need to pray that the Lord will give us opportunity to share the good news of salvation with those who really believe that there is no hope in this world. We know there is hope because we have Jesus, right? And so we need to take that hope to others. We see again in our focal passage, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. A person that is wise demonstrates good conduct. Their actions give evidence of their faith. Wisdom is more than what you say. Wisdom is also demonstrated by what you do. You know, how many of you um, know pastors and religious leaders who are incredibly intelligent? They stand in pulpits and they eloquently communicate the word of God to much fanfare. But when they step out of the pulpit, their life gives zero evidence to their faith. Now, I read just this week that a pastor in Houston, that pastors of church of about 15,000 members, pleaded guilty to, to defrauding his congregation out of over $1 million. This man wasn't just your average pastor. Okay. This man was an advisor to both President Obama and President Bush. This man stood before thousands each week and preached the life-giving words of our Lord from God's Word. He stood before presidents and dignitaries and did the same. Yet when he was away from his pulpit, he was stealing from his congregants. Here's what we need to understand. Part of wisdom demonstrated is that people of the world know that we are Christians. They know it by the words that we speak. They also know it by our actions. So our words need to give evidence to our faith. And that's what James is continuing here. Kind of that faith without works is dead. I mean, that, that theme goes throughout the book of James. That's why we're calling this series a faith that works. And so wisdom is demonstrated. It, we are active in our lives pointing people to Jesus, and, and part of what we do is demonstrated by what we believe. And, and, and we see 
And we know that a wise person helps the poor, clothes the naked, take care of takes care of widows and orphans, as we've also seen through this series. Okay, so we see how wisdom is demonstrated. Now James goes on, and he's going to talk about two different kinds of wisdom. He's going to talk about a worldly wisdom, and he's going to talk about a godly, heavenly wisdom. So first, let's look at what um, worldly wisdom or earthly wisdom, wisdom which is from below, is our second point. So Verses 14 through 16, we read these words. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Earthly wisdom begins without the fear of the Lord. Of the Lord. Last week we looked at where a vile tongue comes from. You remember that? We looked at how a vile tongue comes literally from the pit of hell. Okay? And the same goes for earthly wisdom or worldly wisdom. It comes from the pit of hell. Um, this past week I had the opportunity to go to the Creation Museum and, the, and to the Ark Encounter with some amazing um, members from our church. And as I was there, you know, I wasn't reminded of why there was the fall. We know why the fall occurred. It was because of sin, right? Um, sin set into motion all the chaos that we are experiencing today. But as I was there and as I was kind of walking through these encounters and, and I came to one of these particular rooms and it was just talking about, um, about wisdom and, and how really at, at the center of that first sin, was the desire for wisdom. What did the serpent tell Adam and Eve? That they could know um, good and evil. And so what, that's what we see in James, our Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And so there was one tree that they were not allowed to eat from. It was the tree of the knowledge um, of good and evil. But that is the tree that Satan said, hey, hey, you know, did God really say that? You know, hey, if you take a bite of that, you're going to know not only good, but you're going to know also evil. Now think about it. Who, what kind of rational person wants to, to know evil things? What kind of rational person wants to live in a world of evil? Well, Adam and Eve got exactly what they wanted, didn't they? They got a world full of sin, a world full of rebellion, a world full of murder. Their own kids killed, one kid killed another, Cain killed Abel. They got death, they got disease, and that is a picture of what earthly wisdom looks like. James goes on to tell us that, that earthly, with earthly wisdom comes bitter jealousy. We all know what jealousy looks like. It occurs when a person desires what someone else has. Jealousy also harbors bad feelings toward others. How many of you have ever experienced jealousy in your life? Raise your hand. All of us have. Man, all of us have desired what somebody else has or we have been um, 
brokenhearted because of what someone else got, and we became jealous. Another um, area we see here is worldly wisdom also um, demonstrates selfish ambition. This occurs when a person kicks and scratches their way to the top of an organization, and they don't care what kind of carnage they have left behind. It's kind of one of these, these thought processes, my way or the highway. All of us have been there. All of us have worked with people like that or known people like that. And they don't care what kind of destruction they, they leave behind because they're going to rise to the top regardless. That's a picture of selfish ambition. Then James goes on and he gives five characteristics of what worldly wisdom looks like. And notice these five different things. The first one is it is boastful. A boastful person has a look at me kind of attitude. Look at what I have done. Look at what I have accomplished. They boast in their own accomplishments. What does Paul tell us in the Word of God to do? If we're going to boast, who are we to boast in? The Lord, right? In, in 1 Corinthians one thirty one, Paul wrote, So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. If we're going to boast, let's boast in the Lord for His goodness. Not because of our goodness, because everything that we have that is good has been given to us by God the Father, right? Let's boast in Him. Another area of our picture of worldly wisdom, it's false to the truth. It is false to the truth. Let us be clear this morning. There is an absolute truth, and that is God's Word. That is found in the person of Jesus Christ. The world leads us to believe that truth changes as we evolve as humans and as we evolve as a civilization. This is not true. Truth is truth. Chuck Swindoll um, writes, the unwise, however, change their truth standard to match their beliefs or lifestyles. How many people have you known that have changed their belief system? They've changed it most likely because the world has forced them to change it, even though it's contrary to God, what God's Word says truth is. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. Worldly wisdom is false to the truth. Also, we see here that worldly wisdom, it is earthly. Earthly wisdom is a wisdom that is the exact opposite of heavenly wisdom. And earthly wisdom measures success according to the terms of the world, power, position, and prosperity. And we know that heavenly wisdom is different. We also see that worldly wisdom, it's unspiritual Worldly wisdom has no interest in God. And we know that this world today has very little interest in God. What we also know, and history has taught us this, that during times of chaos, people all of a sudden gain an interest in God, don't they? In the midst of this chaos, the Lord will give us opportunities to share His goodness. And we need to be ready and prepared to do that. Also, we see that worldly wisdom, it's demonic. It's literally straight from the pit of hell. It was authored by Satan himself. And what we know about Satan is Satan is pretty crafty, isn't he? He can, he can twist the truth just a tiny bit to make it sound and look like the truth. I mean, religions that give evidence to this would be Jehovah Witnesses and Mormonism, you know, 
little tweaks here and there. We see them as big, but an outside person that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and they hear about these religions and they read about these religions, they can easily get sucked into them because Satan has crafted them just a tiny bit, just enough to make them sound appealing and sound truthful. Worldly wisdom is demonic. James goes on to say, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every evil practice. There is disorder in the world today. There is chaos in the world today, and we see that on full display. Next, we see where true wisdom comes from. We see what heavenly wisdom looks like, what godly wisdom looks like, wisdom which is from above. In verse 17, we read, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. We know what earthly wisdom looks like. But as believers, James makes it clear what true wisdom looks like. The first thing that he says is it's pure. He begins by saying first. He doesn't say this because it's first in the area of of chronological listing. He says purity is first because purity is essential within the life of a believer. It is central within our lives. The word purity or pure means being free from moral stain. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, blessed are the pure of heart for they shall see God. A person that is pure is a person that desires to live a life of holiness and godliness, a a life of righteousness, a life which points people to Christ as opposed to away from Christ. Heavenly wisdom is also peaceable. If purity speaks of our relationship with God, then being peaceable speaks about our relationship with other people. We've got to do life with other people. How is the world going to know who Jesus is unless we take the word of God to them? So we live pure lives so that we're given opportunity to to preach peacefulness to those that we come in contact with. A wise person is a person that is peaceful, not quarrelsome. Heavenly wisdom, it's gentle, gentle in action. The Greek word translated for this particular word, gentle, is epicaeus. It means to be equitable, to be moderate, to be yielding. It, it, it literally means to, to, to do good things is what it means. In Matthew 5:39 through 41, Jesus said, But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. A gentle person is willing to make sacrifices for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of pointing other people to Jesus Christ. Heavenly wisdom is also reasonable. Heavenly wisdom um, it, it allows you to sit across the table with another person and come to a reasonable, rational conclusion. It, 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 there's an open line of communication between reasonable people. We know people that are unreasonable, don't we? Unreasonable people, once again, it's like my way or the highway. If you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. Okay, A reasonable person, though, is someone willing to sit down and rationalize a situation and come to a common conclusion. Heavenly wisdom is merciful. A merciful person is willing to forgive others. The world heaps coals upon one another. 
but a person that is merciful is willing to forgive and accepts the forgiveness of others. Heavenly wisdom is fruitful. Remember, the world's wisdom produces evil. Godly wisdom produces fruitfulness. And in Galatians 5, chapter 22 through 26, we read of the fruitfulness that is within the life of a believer, what heavenly wisdom produces. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the selfish, the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. As believers, being full of the fruits of the Spirit. That's what heavenly wisdom is when we allow those fruits to be evident in our lives as we communicate with other people and as we do life with other people, as we do life with our family and our co-workers and those that we go to school with, those that we are, are seeing um, at the grocery store kicking and clawing over toilet paper, okay? Hes- heavenly wisdom demonstrates um, patience and peace and goodness in the midst of chaos. Heavenly wisdom also is impartial. Heavenly wisdom does not show favoritism. Heavenly wisdom reaches all with the gospel regardless of their social status, political status, fiscal status, regardless of their race, regardless of their language, regardless of where they come from. This person is fair, just, and objective. Heavenly wisdom is also sincere. It's not hypocritical. It doesn't preach one thing and, and do another thing. It is sincere. Their life is the same when they're before people as well as when they're in their homes. When they stand before their congregation or their Sunday school class or their growth groups, it's the same regardless of where they are. It is sincere. Jesus called out the Pharisees and the religious leaders for being hypocritical. And we can be certain that he will call us out as well for hypocrisy and for insincerity. And then we see in our final point this morning, wisdom's harvest. In verse 18, we read, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. True godly wisdom produces peace and righteousness within the life of a believer. And if you remember, the exact opposite is true of worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom produces disorder and evil practices. Worldly wisdom produces chaos. Satan is having a heyday right now. And we know he's having a heyday, isn't he? Because he has created disorder and chaos. And, 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 and there is just evil rampant within our world today. We must be reasonable as believers. We can't be fearful. We've got to allow the Lord to use us as his hands and feet. we got to pray that he gives us wisdom as we discern where to go, when to go, how to go, and what to say and when to say it. You know, as we close this morning, I want to share um, just four ways that we find wisdom within God's word. Okay, Pastor Phil Newton shares these. Um, The first one is this. Wisdom comes from developing a reverence for the Lord. Proverbs 1.7, Solomon stated, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom 
and instruction. We need to develop reverence for the Lord. We need to fear the Lord, okay? Not be scared of the Lord, but have holy reverence for Him. We gain wisdom through our relationship with the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, we read, And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Next, we learn and receive wisdom through the Scriptures. As we read and as we study and as we hide God's Word in our, in our hearts and in our minds, we learn what wisdom looks like. In Psalm 119, we read, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the age, for I keep your precepts. How, did, how, how, how do we gain wisdom? We read God's Word. We study God's Word. And we put God's Word into practice. In Colossians three sixteen, we read, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We've come together this morning to do those very things. And so hopefully this morning, as a result of our time in God's Word, all of us leave this place wiser because we've had an encounter with the Lord. And the final way that we receive wisdom as a gift from God is through prayer. And we've already looked at James 1.5 this morning, but again, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Wisdom is a gift from the Lord. Wisdom is dispensed to all who call upon the Lord for it. And we need to turn to the Lord and we need to seek the Lord. We need to ask Him for wisdom every day of our life. We need to ask Him for wisdom today to help people as they're in the midst of this chaos, to help people in the midst of these uncertain times. I know that in our faith family, had a conversation with, with one this morning that has gone to the grocery store and hasn't been able to find, you know, common staple items because people are going through and they're taking all of them. We need to be aware of those within our faith family that may need a helping hand and be alert to some, some ways that we can help them. That's what wisdom does. Wisdom reaches out to those that are in need. And so let's pray that the Lord will give us the wisdom that we need. You may be here this morning, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you were to die today, you don't know where you'd spend eternity. Well, I want to tell you the greatest, wisest decision that you could ever make is to cry upon out to Jesus and ask Him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Ask Him to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins. That is the wisest decision that I've ever made in my life. And it will be the wisest decision that you could ever make in your life as well. So if you're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, in just a moment we're going to enter into a time of invitation. I'm going to be standing here at the front. And I want to invite you to come and just say, hey, I don't know Jesus, but I want to know Jesus. And I would love to share with you more about how you can, how you can do that. You may be here this morning and the Lord is just, man, maybe there's been something that you've read this morning, uh, maybe a song that you've sung, and, and, and the Lord has just really been speaking to you. During this time of invitation, you may need to come to this altar. You may need to remain seated where you're at. You may need to come and talk to me. I'd love to share with you um, in any way that I can to help you in any way that I can. You may be, have been visiting this church for a while, and the Lord is leading you to make friendship your church home, and we'd love for you to do that as well. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, and if there's a decision you need to make, you come. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do come before you now, Father, 
recognizing that we are living in some crazy, chaotic days. Father, these, this has certainly caught us by surprise as a nation, as, as individuals. But Lord, none of this has caught you by surprise. You are still seated upon your throne today. You are God, and we know that you are God, and we know that you are Lord, and we know that you are reigning, and we know that you are dispensing your grace upon all who call upon it, call, call to you for it. You're dispensing wisdom to all who calls upon you for it. And so as a faith family, Lord, as brothers and sisters in Christ this morning, we come before you and asking you for wisdom. Asking you, Lord Jesus, that you will dispense wisdom upon us. Help us know how we can deal with, with, with this um, coronavirus and those that are being affected by it. Lord, help us to reach out and to extend um, the loving arms of Jesus to them. Father, if there's someone here this morning that doesn't have a relationship with you, I pray that today will be the day that they are drawn unto salvation. If there's some here this morning that you're leading to make friendship their church home, Lord, we'd love for them to do that. Lord, I don't know what decision you'd have us make during this time of invitation, Lord, but I know that you know. So speak to us now. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.